0: um it is good
1: to be here uh, this morning how have you done this past week in laying a foundation to be a vessel for the message of Christ to work through you last week in talking about john john calls us to be holy in our actions that sets us apart john the baptist he was humble in his attitude toward christ not pointing Followers to himself, but to Jesus. Were you humble in your attitude this week that pointed others to Christ? Where you said, I must decrease, he must increase? Were you honest with yourself about your need to have a repentant heart? And were you honest with others when you saw that need in their life? Were you holy? Were you humble? Were you honest? That is the foundation that is laid before us as we get into today's text that Nick just uh, beautifully uh, read. Church, it is hard for others to take us serious in our pursuit of Christ if these outward signs of an inward transformation are not present. Eugene Peterson would say it this way Discipleship is anything that causes what is believed in the heart to have demonstrable consequences in your daily life. When we get to the part that we're going to talk about today, of using the words, come and see, to those in which we invite, it should take them by no surprise. You know, when we, when I was a kid, I have two brothers, uh, and when we were kids, there was a couple of phrases that us boys uh, just could not resist acting upon. One was, Man, this smells bad. Do you want to take a whiff? <laughs> and for whatever reason, it's like, yeah, I got to see how bad it is. Whether it was bad milk in the fridge or something else of that nature. And then the second phrase that always uh, that we always acted upon was, "Hey, check this out. Come and see this." Right? Maybe it was a new accomplishment in a video game that we were working our way through. Maybe it was something that we learned on the basketball court and we could show our brothers just how awesome we were. Hey, come check this out. Maybe it was something that we witnessed that we just can't unsee and we don't want to be the only ones to have ever seen that and we're like, we're going to bring them into this misery as well. And we just couldn't resist. Getting up and following them and saying, okay, I want to see what it is that you saw. I want to experience what it is that you have experienced. Those words, or any variation of them, what does it do? But it calls us into action. It's a phrase full of verbs. Come, get up and see. Approach. You can't experience this without moving. And i got to be honest that most of the time uh, when we did that, it really wasn't worth whatever my brothers were showing. (laughs) And most of the time when they were doing it, it was to show how awesome they were in accomplishing whatever it was. But let us understand this morning as we study this phrase that calls others into action. Come and see. It's always about something that is worth it. And it's always about seeing Jesus not pointing to themselves. I know we just read John 1, 35 through 51, but I'd like to read through it uh, again. Look at John chapter 1, verse
0: 35.
1: The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned, and he saw them following, and he said to them, And he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak, and he followed Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to them, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then the very next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit nathaniel said to him how do you know me jesus answered before philip called you when you were under the fig tree i saw you nathaniel answered him rabbi you are the son of god you are the king of israel jesus answered because i said to you i saw you under the fig tree do you believe you will see greater things than these and he said to him truly truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. If you were to go through your Bible and just highlight where it says, come and see, or any variation of he came and he saw or he looked, it is, uh, there's just a ton in there with those verbs in there. (laughs) Come and see. Point number one is this. Come and see is an invitation for a personal interaction with Jesus. It's always that. Come and see. Andrew, the lowly fisherman from the town of Bethsaida. He had been following John. But based on John's recommendation, he chooses to walk behind Jesus. And Jesus, noticing that he was behind him, turns and asks a very poignant question. What do you want? Right? Last week it was, Who do you say that you are? Now it is, What do you want? They answered, What do you say? Where are you remaining? And Jesus says, Come and you will see. The very next sentence, So they spent the day with them. Church, don't miss that. Don't miss how Jesus answered that question because he easily could have answered with a phrase. He easily could have said, I'm down on the corner, first street on the left. Don't bother me. But Jesus doesn't do that. He chooses to answer with an invitation to enter into his place in which he was staying. Where are you staying? Come and you will see. For he knew the question that was burning in the disciples' heart was not his location, but instead it was his preoccupation. Could this really be the Son of God? Could this really be the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world? Could this really be the King of Israel? And it is as if Jesus invites them in. I won't say home because it says that the Son of Man had no place to lay his head, but wherever he was staying that day, he invites Andrew to cross into the threshold of his place just to see where he was remaining. He gives him reason to remain. It's like Jesus took it as a teaching moment for Andrew because it says, Then Andrew went to Simon and told him what Jesus had said. He gives him reason to remain. Stay and remain It's the same word used. And he stays until 4 o'clock, which would have been the 10th, hour jesus doesn't just give him reason to stay until four o'clock that day but in his discussion he gives him reason to remain in him from that day on and forevermore john chapter 15 remain in me the whole chapter says remain 15 different times And it cannot be lost on us that when Jesus invites him to remain in him, that he wasn't just talking about that day, but he was talking about forevermore. Remain in me as I have remained in you. Come and see is a personal invitation to encounter Jesus Christ. And when we invite others... When we share those words, that's what we are inviting them to, is to come and see who Jesus is and what he is all about. And then we expect that Jesus will use that time to teach them what it is that needs to be taught so that they can leave knowing that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. It is used for those who are seeking. Come and see is a phrase Used to those who live a good life, but they are simply unaware of the truth. And I would put Simon Peter in this category. He is living a good life. He is living what he would consider to be a godly life, but he is unaware that there is the truth that Jesus has come. And the very first thing that Andrew does is he finds his brother Peter, and he brings him to Jesus. The words, come and see aren't used here, right? But you can see that he brought him, so he used some variation of it. Come and see, and he brings Peter to Jesus so that Peter can experience Jesus for himself. The Bible knowledge commentator puts it this way. In bringing his brother Simon Peter to Christ, no man did the church a greater service than Andrew. Why does it say that? Because we see what Peter's life becomes in Christ. And when Peter interacts with Jesus, it's this interaction in which he gets a new name. You are called Simon, but from now on, I will call you Peter. A name that signifies the kind of person that Peter is going to become and what God is going to do through him. You talk about a personal interaction that changed Peter forever. I bet that was it. And Peter had lots of them, but it began. There when Jesus gave him a new name. Peter, why do you continue to follow him? Because this man said what it was that I was going to be about. And he showed me what it was that he was about. Come and see is an invitation for those who live a good life. But are unaware of the truth that is before them. And church, don't let it be lost on us that the very first thing that Andrew does when he finds out. About Jesus was he went into his own home and he found his own brother because he had to share the good news of him. We must be people who disciple and share Christ within our homes first and foremost. For what would it have been if Andrew didn't go back home and just went elsewhere to share the good news? It would have been a good start, but a better one was starting in his own home with his own brother. Come and see is an invitation for a personal encounter, even for the skeptical, like Nathaniel. Nathaniel, he's from Cana, and it's a close city rival, right? And Philip, okay, he comes bearing good news to Nathanael. We found the one that Moses spoke about. And what does Nathaniel do? He allows his prejudice to get in the way of his thinking. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And you can just hear, uh, you can just hear Philip be like, "Didn't you just hear what I said? It's the one that Moses spoke of, right? Deuteronomy 18. It's that one. That's the one. Can anything good come from there?" What is Philip's response to the skeptic? Come. And see, evidence becomes convincing when it is appropriated personally. I can't argue with that. I can see that you already don't like Nazareth, and you have something against it, so you're going to have something against Jesus. Just come and see. Come and check it out for yourself, and stay around long enough for Jesus to do something with you that I cannot. Church, sometimes we need to get out of our own way and just let Jesus do the work that we ourselves cannot do. And I'm not saying don't be educated and don't be able to have a conversation where you can argue why you believe what you believe. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes only Christ can do the work that needs to be done to transform a life. And he's only looking for an opportunity where we invite somebody and we say, come and see And so Jesus, in encountering Nathanael, in chapter 1, verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here he is. Here's the one who says what's on his mind, first of all, right? Like, how can anything good come from there? In him there is no deceit. He is here. How do you know me? He responded. Jesus must have hit the nail on the head because that's how he responds. How, how is it that you know who I am? What I am about? And he says, well, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree. And it's at this moment. What does Nathaniel do? He declares Jesus to be rabbi, teacher. And then he takes one step further, and he says, Son of God, King of Israel. These are the names uh, that are a portrait of what John the writer is trying to get across to his audience. Here is who Jesus is. And I wish I had enough time to go through each one. Right? There is a lot through there. I mean, there's a litany of them. You'll go through some of them in your Bible classes. But everything that Jesus is, it's almost an index for the entire New Testament of who Jesus is, all of these descriptions of him. Son of God, King of Israel. Um, Hey, Abby, can you do me a favor? Can you bring me the two cups right there? I had left them uh, over there. Um, It's what he is trying to get across to his audience. Awesome. Thanks. And when Jesus encounters Nathanael, so there's this cup. It says, I came, I saw, I made it awkward. (laughs) It's a gift from my wife to me. (laughs) Because it just seems to be a lot of what I do is I can make a situation awkward real fast. Uh, Abby's thinking that as I asked her to get up uh, to get up here, so she gave this to me in a loving way. But I drink out of it often. It's one of my favorite because it's really who I am. When Philip or when Nathaniel came, what does he say? I came, I saw. I concurred. Everything that you had said about him, it is true. Even me, as a skeptic, not me, but Nathaniel, had my own prejudice. I had to get out of my own way. I see what it is that you are saying, and it is absolutely true. Why? Because I had an encounter with him where he saw me sitting under the fig tree, and he told me who I was. That's my first interaction with him. And so truly, this is who he must be. Honest inquiry is a sovereign cure for prejudice. Nazareth might be all that Nathaniel thought. But there is an exception to prove every rule. And what an exception this young man had found. Maybe everything else from Nazareth wasn't that great. But Jesus, he was different. He was everything that was expected. You know, I wonder if sometimes when we think of inviting people, of asking them to come and see, I wonder if there are times that we allow our supposed prejudices that they may have not get in the way of their thinking but get in the way of our asking. That sometimes we assume They think one way, and so we say, "Nah, they would never. And so we just stop there. Man, I'm not going to go back to Nathaniel because he hates Nazareth. So I'm just not going to do it. How often do we stop ourselves because we put what others may be thinking, and we say, all right, that's good enough for me. I don't have to approach it because there's no way that they would listen to me or Come and see for themselves. Church, we cannot have that way of thinking, but we must give everybody the same opportunity that we ourselves once had. Christ can overcome people's prejudices. A lot of the prejudice people have against Christ, it's really prejudices that they have against the church and not Christ himself. Because if you would see Christ for who Christ truly is, then you wouldn't think that way anymore. I do guarantee you that. So come and see. It's an invitation for those who are seeking and for those who are skeptical. And I know some of you sitting here, you say, you know, that was them. They got to personally encounter Jesus physically. They got to see him in Galilee. They... they They got to see him. And so they spent time with him. And we get to have the spirit who is alive and well dwell within this earthly vessel and your earthly vessel. We get to have an encounter with him. Romans chapter 8 would say it this way. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. I would argue that our encounter with the spirit is greater than the encounter that they had on that day. And Jesus would make that same point when he says, you will see greater things than this. He was making that point that this is just the beginning And church, for us who have the Spirit dwelling in us, we have encounters with Christ that we can point others toward. Theologian Gary Bird says it this way Disciples must know who Jesus is, and they must have a personal experience that completely reorients who they are. How can I tell that you have encountered Christ? Because you are nothing like you were before you met him. How can you tell that I've encountered Christ? Because I'm nothing like I was before I met him. But there are times that that man still rears its ugly head. And I say, away with me. For you have no part in my life. For Christ has made me anew. And I put it away. Come and see is an invitation to belong. You know, I don't know if you knew it, but belonging, that is one of the five things that this church values most. (coughs) Becoming a place where others belong and where others are accepted. We sat in this very room down here and said, what do we want to be about? Belonging. All right, let's write belonging. And everybody agreed. Becoming a place where others belong, where they know they can feel welcome and they can be a part of the work that is done here. And as we all know, February is the month. I'm yelling a lot and I'm sorry. I'm all fired up. As we all
0: know, February
1: is the month where we begin to see more pink and red showing up in the stores, right? More things are shaped like a heart than ever before, right? People are getting ready for Valentine's. Man, this is your cue. All right? Don't say you didn't know about it, you weren't listening. All right. Just down the street at Crump Manor are men and women who at one time likely had a valentine. But circumstances would have it that they no longer do. Maybe they passed away, maybe there's other things that get in the way at this old folks home. Well, shouldn't you know that there was women in this congregation and children who were not okay with the idea that there's people who are spending Valentine's Day not knowing that they are loved and so over the last week they delivered 216 valentine's day cards for Crump manor what are they expressing we don't want you to feel left out we want you to belong church that is a small thing that makes a big difference to those and for everybody who participated in that thank you for that But that kind of belonging is a step in the right direction, but it pales in comparison to the belonging to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The very first words John spoke, behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. John, the author, he's painting a picture of Jesus being that very own Passover Lamb. And he needs his... Readers to be able to see that. What John does, I think, better than any author, is not only tell the story, but also invite the reader to participate in that story. And the things that he is saying meant something to them, but it also means something to us. A uh, man and woman by the name Adam and Tanya Phillips. They have four baby girls. Ray, their youngest, has a condition that I couldn't pronounce if you gave me. You know, 50 tries. But basically, this condition is one where she has a rose-colored birthmark all over her body, except for her hands and face. Where they live, it's cold, so it really is not a problem. She can wear long sleeves. She can wear uh, she can wear pants. But they knew the day would come when she would have on short sleeves and shorts. And people would begin to take notice. Of this rose-colored condition that she has all over her body. One day, the dad took her to preschool in shorts. And he watched as the children walked up. And they began to poke her on those birthmarks. And they began to ridicule her at the age of two. She didn't cry. But she lost her smile as she went and sat down in the corner, and she began to sulk a bit. The parents' worst fears had come to fruition. Our girl has seen different. People notice, and they aren't as accepting as we would hope. Well, Adam and Tanya—they aren't afraid of tattoos, so they went to a tattoo artist and they told him, "We want a tattoo like you have never given before." We want our legs to match our daughter's legs. That evening, so if I had, if we had a screen, I'd show you two pictures uh, of that. But the tattoo artist uh, gave them tattoos that match this rose-colored birthmark. That evening, Ray, at 25 months old, she touched her leg, and then she touched her dad's leg and said one word: match. Don't we all want to match? Don't we all want to be people who fit in and who belong? And you say, well, Chris, that is quite the extreme example. I mean, you even brought up the idea of tattoos from the pulpit. <laughs> Teenagers, that was not an invitation for you to get tattoos. You still need to talk to your parents. That is an extreme example. Let me tell you what is extreme. Is that when each of us had our own scars, of our own marking, of our own doing, and a loving father said, let me tell you what I'm prepared to do to take those marks away. I'm going to send my unblemished son to take away those marks. That is what's extreme. That is what's scandalous. That is what is love, is when God did that for us so that we could belong to him. And our call is to help others belong to that same kingdom. Come and see is an invitation to belong. Come and see is an invitation to something greater. Look at John chapter 1 verse 50. Jesus answered him. When speaking to Nathaniel, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? For you will see greater things than these. And the very next chapter, what does Jesus do? You guys can say it. He turns water into wine. The very next chapter, you will see greater things. And it didn't take him long to see something greater. I think John is pointing to the fact that not only will he see miracles that outdo that one, but then he goes on to say, in verse 51, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. John, at the end of his book, when uh, talking about the purpose as to why he wrote it, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And you will see greater things than these. In verse 51, when he says, uh, you will see heaven... You will see heaven open and the angels of God. He's talking to Nathanael, but what's different is that you becomes plural. It was singular before, and now it's plural for all. As an indication that it's not just Nathanael that gets to see it, but it's all who believe in Jesus now get to see something greater. Being part of the kingdom of God just gets better and better and better. And there are times it doesn't feel that way. But I believe it to be true. Why? Because Jesus becomes the ladder between heaven and earth. We get to see the Son of Man. By the way, that is used around 80 times. Almost always on Jesus' lips. He's he's the one that uses it because it's not, uh, you know, when you say king of the Jews or king of Israel, that has a meaning that the disciples take it. When Jesus presents Son of Man, he gets to shape that meaning because it's only used a handful of times in Daniel. And he says, the son of man will come ascending. uh, Sorry. The angels of got ascending and descending on the son of man. You will see something greater, Nathaniel, if you just stick around. Stick around, my man, and you will see something greater. Where do we see the latter? Genesis chapter 28 with Jacob, right? Jacob, before he is called who? Israel. Right? When he says, you... Or an Israelite with no deceit, I think that Jesus had this in mind in that conversation. Right? You are an Israelite with no deceit. I changed Jacob. His name became Israel. You are not a Jacobite. You are a Israelite in whom there is nothing false. But there was a time that Israel or Jacob, man, he was a deceiver. But on that day, here's what I showed him. Right? Here's what God showed him. In his dream. And Jacob wakes up and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place. Nathaniel, surely the Lord is in this place. John chapter 10 verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. John chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For no one comes through the Father except through me. The gate between heaven and earth. Had been opened and it continues to be open as Jesus allows us to have relationship with God through Him. The second cup that I brought today, uh, if you've spent any time with me, this is one of my favorite cups. It's my Panera cup um, and it's from the Unlimited Sip Club. All right. Okay. I went to an opening of Panera and I won this cup. And so I get unlimited drinks from Panera if I have this cup, all right? I lost it this week, and I was lost. I was petrified. I was scared to death, because there went my coffee, all right? The problem with it is, it's the same thing every day. Coffee in the morning, cream and sugar. For Nathaniel, it's not the same thing every day but it keeps getting better and better and better. I don't know how Panera can make it better, but I wish they would. (laughs) But we serve a God who makes it better and better. We see greater and greater things. What does this mean for me? Why would I use these words, come and see. First thing that it means for you, if you are a member here, be a bringer. Bring somebody, be somebody who brings people to the feet of Jesus. Andrew appears two more times in John. At the feeding of the 5,000, uh, and during Jesus's final weeks, he helps the Greeks. Some Greeks come and say, hey, can we see Jesus? And he helps them with that. Both times that Andrew is seen... What is he doing? He's bringing people to Jesus. At the 5,000, he said, hey, here's a kid with uh, five loaves and two fish. Jesus, maybe you can do something with that. And Jesus absolutely does. Be a person who brings people to Jesus and invites them to come and see who he is. Not just here at church, but in your life. Right? Let them be in your threshold. Go through your door so that they can see God at work in your life. Be somebody who prays for one. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we leave this room and we say, well, i got to make disciples and i got to invite all sorts of people. That's a good thought, but it's one that we often don't do anything about because we become overwhelmed. Pick one person in your life Andrew went and found Peter pick one for you and begin praying over that person and for that person and when the opportunity comes invite them come and see and as we've seen it doesn't matter where your walk in life is there's something to see Jesus has something to offer so pray for one number three Speak often of the blessing of encountering Christ. Speak often of the blessing of encountering Christ. Sometimes we don't act like it's a blessing to follow Jesus. Sometimes, or many times, it's unintentional. It just happens. We're tired. We're weary. It happens. So when the opportunities come, speak of the blessing and the life that is offered in that The woman at the well in John chapter 4. I met this man and he told me everything that I did. And she kept sharing it. And kept sharing it. And kept sharing it. I came. I saw. And it was worth it. What a rich blessing it is to be in Christ. And to speak of the blessing that he offers to us. Number four. Boldly give someone the invitation of belonging to a movement that is led by a king that cannot be outdone and cannot be conquered. But I don't have all the answers, so I can't do that. Guess what? Neither did they. And I would argue that though they used a litany of titles for Jesus, they didn't know what all those titles meant in full form the way that we do. But I might lose a friend. We have a good thing going. I don't want to ruin it with that. If you are living the way that you should, then they already know that you follow Christ, and an invitation actually is an expectation. They may not, but it is an expectation that they should have. It should not come as a surprise that you go to church and that you follow Jesus. You will not lose a friend. Don't convince yourself of that. I don't believe that to be true. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. They will wage war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and with Him will be His called, chosen and faithful followers. Guys, we're not just inviting them, inviting others to what we do here. We're inviting them into something that will last not just in this lifetime but in the next as well. And what a blessing that is. The very last Thing that I'll say is that the person that's on your mind the person that is brought Jesus has already seen them and he already knows them. I knew you while you were sitting under the fig tree. I've been waiting for you. He knows them and what a beautiful thing that is that he knows them and he knows us and he is waiting for us to come and see He's waiting for them to come and see. Revelation 3.20 Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Church, if we would remember those three words, come and see, then we would change a whole lot of lives. Because it doesn't depend on me anymore, but it depends on the person of Jesus and what God is doing and if you are somebody that is here because last few weeks maybe somebody has said hey come to church with me come and see come and come and see what we are about i urge you stick around and truly see give it your best shot let god work through the people here and through what is going on to speak into your life just stick around it's what nathaniel did it's what they all did right because then jesus said "What?" Follow me and they follow. Come and see what he is all about. Because I can guarantee you won't be disappointed. And in this room, 140, my hope is is that it's full of disciples who came and saw. And there is no disappointment. We're just excited about what the Lord is doing in us.